Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're recapping season one, episode one, Something Wicked This Way Come. It originally aired on October 7th, 1998, and had 7.72 million viewers. Um, oh yeah, and you know, you heard it in the beginning in a little intro, but just for anyone who wants a refresher, I'm Jess. I'm Mia. We are sisters, and we are watching Charm together. So we open on this building called the Talmadge. Um, a blonde woman walks in, she feeds her cat, and then she approaches this altar with a bunch of candles. Um, and it's giving major Christmas vibes, like why are the candles red, green, and white? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, she has a really cool firepower. It kind of like comes out of her fingertips <laughs> and she lights all the candles. Um, a hooded figure approaches. Um, we see him outside and then inside. Um, she recognizes him and it's kind of like, what are you doing here? And then he stabs her. So that's the first scene. Um, how we get introduced to and charmed. Not really sure what to think of it. I felt like it was, it's really creepy. Like it gives off, um, vibes like it's it's gonna be some sort of like horror show <laughs> yeah I think it kind of gives like that very like horror genre type opening and kind of like the mislead of we might think that this woman is going to be our main character but then she's like instantly killed and it's like oh okay so she's not our main character who is we yeah. don't know yet <laughs> <laughs> but hope not yeah and then the hooded figure Kind of um, from the start, I mean, obviously you can see that that's going to be a character that comes on later in the episode. I'm sure later we figure out who that is, but um, I don't know. I feel like I felt like he was going to maybe be some someone important to the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's very clear that the show wants us to pay attention to him, but doesn't want us to know his identity quite yet. Um, hence, you know, the hood. And I think the addition of the rain kind of adds into that because if it weren't raining like that, we'd be like, well, why is it a hooded figure? But they kind of, you know, use that. And I yeah. will say maybe it's just because I'm watching it on, on such an HD TV and it wasn't shot to be watched this way, but the rain looks so fake. Does it? I didn't even notice that. I thought so. I, I looked straight out of it. I guess that makes thing. sense. I mean, it, I mean, it definitely was, but... <laughs> Then again, that could also have more to do with um, the technology when it was being filmed, how things yeah, were you know, filmed was not shot in 4K. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I think that's pretty much all we got out of the first scene. We get introduced to this woman who apparently is not important to the show because she dies right away. Um, and then this hooded figure that she recognized who comes up and kills her. Yeah. And I think we kind of get a very clear idea that there's something like witchy going on if we didn't already know that from like preview or um, in the case of, you know, if we were a new viewer now, um, kind of from the perspective of knowing that this show is about witches, right? Yeah, um, exactly. On top of the fact that there was the altar and the whole ritual that she was doing. Yeah. clearly some you know supernatural type thing mm -hmm. um so then we go to the manor um prue is inside piper enters um we see the chandelier is flashing clearly having some type of electrical issues um they have a little bit of a conversation piper sees that prue had brought up their old spirit board um, and I took note of what it says on the back, um, light to find the shadows, 
and the power of three will set us free, which are both things that kind of come up later in the episode. Um, we also get introduced to the fact that they have a third sister, Phoebe, um, who Prue says has no vision and no sense of the future, something else that will become ironic and useful to know later on in the episode. Yes. Yeah, so from there, you can already see um, in that first scene with the girls that there is some issues between Phoebe and Prue, which, I mean, we don't yet know what they are, but um, clearly uh, Prue holds some resentment against her, and Piper is kind of seeming to be the middleman who just wants everyone to be happy. Yeah, I think we get the very clear impression that, you know, um, Piper and Prue are very, very close, and uh, Piper also has some type of relationship with Phoebe, whereas Prue does not. Um, we also see that Piper is going through some type of interview process for a job as a chef. Um, she gets the wine and the flowers from her boyfriend in this scene, I believe. Um, and we know his name is Jeremy, but we haven't been introduced to him yet. Yes, um, exactly. And then we go into the theme, which, um, what are you watching it on? Are you watching it on like a DVD or are you watching it on Peacock? I'm watching it on Peacock. Okay, yeah. Did the intro seem really, really long to you? What do you mean? Like it just seemed like longer theme? than I remember it being. Yeah, like the theme song. Um, no, not not to me, but I think that was, well, the intro is, has always just been super long but they also shorten it the further along that you go in they kind of cut it down in some episodes so I think that might be why but it is really long like every time it sounds like it's about to end the music it'll be like da -da -da -da, and then like start up again like and it's like what <laughs> yeah but I don't know I usually hit the skip intro all right um, so you want to go to the next scene? Yes. Um, okay, let me see. So, so the next scene um, is where this man, clearly a detective, comes up. Um, and we're told that his name is Inspector Trudeau. He gets introduced to us. Um, and his partner is also there. They come up to this crime scene from the first scene where that woman was murdered. Um, and he seems to suspect that it's someone trying to kill witches based on the fact that it was another murder that happened around an altar. So apparently it wasn't the first murder. Um, and his partner seems to think that he's crazy and doesn't, doesn't believe him and so clearly they don't have the same idea of what happened there. Um, and that's pretty much what happened in that scene. Um, the Inspector Trudeau mentions that the woman was killed with this double-edged steel knife that was used for ceremonial purposes, and it's called an athame. Um, kind of knife killed to, uh, knife meant to kill witches. So um, I said pretty much the same thing. I also took note of the fact that um, towards the end of the scene, uh, this reporter named Jeremy approaches. Um, and I kind of am thinking, I mean, obviously I knew the answer because I've seen it before, but you know, as a new viewer, I wonder if they were thinking like, oh, is this the same Jeremy that Piper is dating? Like, hmm, I don't know. Um, so I also yeah. took note of that. Also, one thing I wanted to note, like why did people 10 years ago look so much older than like we do now because like think about it Andy and Prue are supposed to be 27 they're a year older than me these people do not look like they're a year older than me <laughs> no they don't they look like yeah, maybe they look they're a, a little older. older like in real life they're actors but like they're supposed to be portraying 27 year olds <laughs> yeah and I feel like Piper Piper looked Piper looked younger 
she looked like she was in her you know 20s um, yeah like I could see but, her being my age <laughs> yeah but Peru and Andy um oh <laughs> they 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 looked a lot older and so did this reporter Jeremy he looked older too and I don't know if that was the age he was supposed to be playing but yeah they none of they all looked like they were in their 30s <laughs> yeah for sure um all right so uh next scene we go back to the manor um Piper and Prue are talking again um Prue kind of mentions that they could use, or Piper brings up that they could use another roommate. Prue says, oh yeah, we can like exchange cheap rent for extra help around the house. And that's when Piper kind of brings up the idea that like, well, Phoebe could be their new roommate. And Prue's kind of like, Phoebe lives in New York. And they're kind of going back and forth about this. Um, Piper mentions that the manor was willed to all of them when their grandma passed away um and she kind of reminds piper she's like do you not remember why i'm mad at her um when is she getting here and that's when Phoebe enters um the beautiful Alyssa milano um piper takes prue's purse to pay for phoebe's cab Phoebe kind of says to Prue that she'll pay her back. Prue assumes that Phoebe's there for money and wants them to sell the house. Um, she says that that's not going to happen and that the house has been in the family for generations. Phoebe is right away like very sassy with her. She's like, I know the history too. I grew up here, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of like the way Phoebe gets straight to the point and she's like, do you want to talk about why you're mad at me? Like, or do you just want to have this tense reunion with boring chit chat and unimportant small talk? And Prue is kind of like not about it at all. She's very like, we're not talking about anything. Um, we start to get a hint of what the issue between them was when Phoebe says that she never touched Roger. Um, and then Piper comes in kind of trying to deescalate the situation. Um, saying that she'll make dinner for the three of them, um, but they both kind of make their excuses and exit the room. Yeah, so I think right there, we kind of got a solid foundation of how these characters are. I mean, from the start, Piper's obviously, it's very obvious that she's the middle child, you know? The one who's put in the middle and friends with both, kind of close with both, but I don't know. Prue, you can tell she's very strong-willed, um, direct, and has this issue with Phoebe. She comes across seeming like the oldest sister anyways, and uh, Phoebe, as we got introduced to her from how uh, Prue described her, and when she came in and immediately had the attitude, um, I think it was just a good introduction to how their characters are you know what I mean yeah and I think they kind of come across very much in the way that like as we continue in this episode we're going to kind of get to know them like um Phoebe has this very like I mean Alyssa Milano was 26 at the time this was filmed so she was my age um but I see her being 22 because of the way she's acting and kind of she still has that very like youthful like could be a college age type person sort of vibe going on um, whereas we see Piper kind of trying to establish her life, that more mid-20s vibe, and Prue as kind of like very put together, very set in her ways, like later 20s type vibe. Um, and I think yeah. they do a good job of kind of setting that up here as well. Um, yeah, like I said, agree. Yeah, setting up their relationship dynamics with each other. Um, next scene, we move upstairs directly after to Phoebe's room, where there is a new story playing on the TV talking about the murder that we saw at the beginning of the episode. Um, Piper enters the room. Jeremy is on, on TV giving a, um, you know, his reporting. And Piper's like, oh, that's my boyfriend. So we get confirmation that that reporter Jeremy is, in fact, who she's dating. Um, they start talking a little bit about Prue. Um, and how she's always been more like a mother to them. 
Um, and Phoebe kind of brings up this idea that, well, she's grown up now. She doesn't need a mom. She needs a sister. Um, and that's when Prue enters with a blanket for Phoebe, saying that it was always the coldest room in the house. Um, that scene kind of like touches me a little bit because I think we get this idea that Prue comes off as like very tough, very like set in her ways. But it's clear that kind of despite all this that's happened between Prue and Phoebe, there is still a part of Prue that cares about Phoebe. And I'm interested to see how that's going to develop as we continue through the season and the series. Right. It definitely showed that she still, I mean, and the fact that, um, you know, Piper says that she practically gave up her childhood to raise her and Phoebe. Um, so we kind of get the sense that Prue always kind of has been that mother figure towards Phoebe. So in the end, she, she still cares and still is going to be there for her, which bringing the blankets in kind of also showed that. Definitely. And I think we're getting like an even clearer picture of their family dynamic. Like we get kind of from the beginning of the episode that their grams was sick and had passed away. And that seemed to be something pretty recent, like a few months ago. Um, whereas we also get this idea that their mother probably also died or otherwise wasn't in the picture. So it was kind of up to like Prue and the grandmother to take care of the younger kids um yes. we don't really know anything about their dad we'll get some hints about that later in the episode though mm -hmm. so in the next scene it's back to daryl and andy um the partners from before that we were introduced to um at another crime scene where another witch is killed so they start arguing again, have a little bit of banter about whether or not these girls that are being killed were witches. Um, uh, the one inspector from before still seems to believe that they are, and the other one still thinks that he's crazy for it. Um, and then we kind of see the same cat from the first scene where that woman was killed and she pets her cat. Um, and Daryl, the inspector who doesn't believe they're witches, says, you know, stay away from that cat. He's, she's been hissing at everyone uh, from the start. And then Andy goes up, the cat, the cat lets her, and then he, we kind of see the, uh, the cat's collar, and it has this symbol on it. Um, and that's pretty much where the scene ends. Um, I took a lot of the same notes. I also noted that the tattoo on the woman's like collarbone area was the same as the symbol on the cat's collar. Um, and one thing I kind of noticed about the kind of um, Morris and Trudeau dynamic we have going on for these two partners is it kind of brings me back to, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Mia, it's before your time, but like, um, have you ever seen The X-Files? I've, I've seen a few when I was really young. So I don't really remember them. Yeah. So I've seen a few too. I haven't seen the entire series, but kind of the concept of the show is that one of the partners is a believer in like aliens and the supernatural, whereas the other partner isn't. And I feel like that's kind of the dynamic they're setting up between these two. Well, like um, Trudeau isn't necessarily like a believer, like he doesn't believe in witches. He kind of gets the sense that there's something more out there. And at the very least, there are people who believe they are witches and that things can happen to them because of that. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing that I think they're starting to set up here. Right, yeah, they mentioned that in their, their, uh, their partnership a little bit. And it also kind of came across to me like Daryl was a little bit more in charge in that relationship. He seemed to not so much boss him around. I mean, obviously they were partners and everything, but him, he was like, do not, um, follow leads without me things like that it just seems like he was the one who kind of had a little more power in the relationship between them yeah um I, I actually didn't note that but now that you say that that makes a lot of sense and I think that um will kind of bring us back to something that'll come up in a few scenes later when it kind of comes up that Andy sort of just moved back from Portland right so he's probably the newer detective in their relationship whereas Morris has probably been the inspector of this area for longer than um, Trudeau yes. has. Exactly. Mm -hmm. okay, um, then... So then, 
Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you can go ahead. You can share the next okay. scene. Um, so then the next scene, we're back at the manor. We're now in one of the rooms on the first floor. Um, Phoebe and Piper are sitting at a table together with the spirit board. They're kind of having this girl talk um, where they're kind of rehashing Piper's history with uh, Jeremy. It's very expositional, but it works for the scene. We're kind of getting to know things about their relationship. They seem to have been in touch, but not enough so that Phoebe is in on kind of all the details of Piper's relationship. Um, we then um, get to the point where they're kind of talking about in their childhood how Phoebe was always the one who would push the pointer when they were playing with the spirit board. Piper gets up to go get something um, while Phoebe's alone. The pointer starts to move on its own. It moves to letter A and then to letter T. Um, Prue enters. Both Piper and Prue don't believe Phoebe. Um, when Prue leaves the room, it does it again and it eventually spells out the word attic phoebe tells them about it instantly we get a shot of the chandelier and then the power cuts out phoebe says that she wants to go take a look at the attic prue wants to go down to the basement and kind of fix the light situation um they mentioned that for months they've been living in the house and they've been, never been able to get the attic door to open um, Phoebe goes up to the attic. Um, at first, the door won't open as she's like really pushing against it. Then she steps away and it opens on its own. Um, a light shines down on the trunk and then out of the trunk. She opens it. Um, there's a book inside with the same symbol that we saw on the cat's collar and on the woman's tattoo. Um, and then she opens it and we find out that this book is called the Book of Shadows. Um, Phoebe reads this first spell aloud. It kind of talks about them gaining their powers, uses the phrase, the sisters three, um, and is very clearly about Piper, Phoebe, and Prue. Um, as this is happening, the chandelier downstairs glows. Um, the photo of the three of them where they're all standing very far apart, they move closer together magically. Prue and Piper enter the scene and look at the book. Um, Phoebe kind of brings up how if they were going to claim these powers, this would be the best time to do it, midnight on a full moon. We get this sense that Phoebe is much more open to the mystical than her sisters. Um, then we see the same hooded figure standing outside ominously. Um, as they're heading downstairs, Piper is very freaked out about everything that's happening and she's like, well, nothing's changed, right? Like everything's still the same. Um, and then we see the figure leave the house. That was kind of a very long little scene, scene I went through. Yeah. But... but yeah, that's what happened. And I think also in the beginning of that scene where um, where Phoebe and Piper are playing with the spirit board, it during while well, during their conversation, we find out kind of how recently they lost their grandmother or at least we get a general idea because she was explaining her backstory with Jeremy and how they met um, a few months ago at the hospital when their grandmother was first admitted. Um, so gives us a little bit of an idea of how recently they lost their grandmother and you know came to the house. Um, and also, I think this whole scene also, Piper seems to be very frantic and freaked out the whole time when she had also seen the pointer move at some point. She wanted to leave. Um, meanwhile, Prue seemed pretty fearless with the idea of going down to the basement and checking out the circuit board, didn't believe anything. And Phoebe was very interested and wanted to go up to the attic. Again, pretty bold and fearless. I think I would be scared too. Um, and Piper seemed to be the only one who had anxiety about the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think another thing, since you brought up kind of the timeline aspect, I think another thing that we kind of get an idea of the timeline for is possibly whatever happened with the Roger Prue Phoebe situation. Um, because, you know, when they're kind of joking around with the spirit board, the question they asked is like, will Prue have sex with anyone other than herself this year? So we get the idea that that relationship probably ended 
somewhere around a year ago. Right, yeah. The fact that Phoebe is the only one kind of open to the idea and very curious about what to do when she first reads that incantation from the Book of Shadows um, about receiving their powers, when Piper and Prue come into the scene, they seem to be pretty upset saying that, you know, you included us in this. Um, so it sounds like they're the ones that want things to be normal and stay the same. And Phoebe would love this idea of a new uh, kind of witchy life style. Yeah. And I think that fits into what we're getting to know about her character. I mean, um, we get the idea that Prue and Piper lived in an apartment, I'm assuming close by, um, and then moved back into their childhood home immediately after their grandmother passed away, whereas Phoebe was living in New York, kind of doing her own thing, exploring the world, things like that. So I think that's another thing. We're kind of noting as differences between the three. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... So in the next scene, it's kind of the next morning and Phoebe is sitting outside on the front porch drinking coffee and Piper comes out uh, with like a briefcase clearly leaving for work or probably for that interview um, that, you know, we had heard she was going to in the beginning. Um, Phoebe says that she was up all night reading. Piper's kind of like, were you reading out loud? kind of saying hinting that she didn't want any more trouble any more of these you know wishy spells coming along and Phoebe was like no I didn't read out loud but she kind of gives some backstory and says that the book tells the history of where it came from and Phoebe says that they have this ancestor named Melinda Warren who was a witch who was able to freeze time move things with her mind and see the future and that um, before Melinda was burned at the stake, she vowed that each generation of Warren witches would become stronger and stronger until the culmination of three sisters that would become the most powerful witches the world had ever known, and that they're known as the Charmed Ones and that they're good witches. Piper kind of dismisses it and says that they're not witches because their grandmother wasn't, and neither, as, and as far as we know, neither was mom. That's what she says. Um, and then she just kind of leaves her work and that's where the scene ends. Yeah. Um, so I basically got all the same notes down as you did for that one. Um, I guess really all we're seeing in this scene, other than kind of getting that exposition, that history, um, through Phoebe to Piper is a little bit more about their relationship dynamic and just more of that clarification that Phoebe's the one who wants to explore whatever this magical heritage that they have is. Whereas Piper is just not interested in that at all. She wants her life to stay the way it is. She's kind of nervous about it. It's not for her. Um, the next scene, we go to the museum and we meet the absolute worst person I've ever seen in my entire life, Roger. Yeah, um, I know. So this is when- <laughs> Horrible, disgusting human. <laughs> so this is when, Prue and Roger's history becomes very explicitly clear. Um, he introduces the scene by taking away a project that she's clearly been working on for a long time. Um, he, she mentions that they were engaged um, and she kind of brings up, well, um, when did we stop being on a first name basis? Is it when I returned your engagement ring or when we stopped sleeping together? And because he's the most disgusting person on earth, he says, well, I enjoyed one of those things more than the other. <laughs> disgusting. Um, they're really not giving a lot of good examples of men <laughs> right now. She gets mad and that's when a pen explodes in his pocket and then on his face, which honestly he deserved a lot worse. So I wasn't mad about it. <laughs> I was not mad about it either, Roger. Just from the very start, we can see that he's just this horrible person. Um, I'm not really sure how Prue ever <laughs> got with him to begin with, but I guess they have their history. Um, so we find out that Prue was the one who ended things with Roger there when she said that she gave the engagement ring back. 
Um, and Roger seems to be pretty hurt about it. Um, kind of that it it almost portrayed like, oh, it's one of those things where like the guy just tries to act cool to not show anyone that how he really feels. Um, that was kind of what I got out of that. Yeah, I'm also interested in kind of like the dynamic of their relationship, because I feel like, you know, back in the day, it was more normal to portray relationships without exploring the nuance of it, where there is a some sort of awkward power dynamic going on because in the context of what we're seeing here, Roger is clearly Prue's boss. So was he her boss while they were dating? And if so, was that not predatory? I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, they don't, is that they probably were dating while he was still the boss. It seemed like he, Maybe not, though. It didn't seem like he had been the boss for a while. It didn't seem like he was all that good at anything that he does. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. Yeah, so I guess that brings Maybe up, like... the type of... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just I was gonna just going to that... say, clearly, he... Oh, my God, what? <laughs> this is when you know your sister. <laughs> You you say what you were going to say. <laughs> oh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, gosh, now I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so I was going to say how it also makes me wonder about the fact that, like, is the reason he's more successful in his career right now kind of a depiction of the times? Um, I know that the show is considered a feminist show. Um, so is it kind of pointing out the fact that even though she's clearly the harder worker, because she mentions, you know, those 75 files a little later on and everything she's done for the project, um, and yet he's the one getting credit for it. He's the one with the promotions and everything going on. So is it the fact that he's a man in the workplace and she's a woman in the workplace that's kind of making his career more successful than hers? Perhaps they started working together at the same time, we're in the same position, and he just moved up quicker because he's a white man in that society. Right. Yeah, I guess that's definitely, um, it could have been portraying that as well. It also seems like he part of how he kind of got to where he is is he seems like he's one to take credit for other people's work mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of what he did in that scene by taking over when Prue had done all of the work for this project um, so in the end just showing that he's a horrible person and kind of that that how the power has kind of affected him he clearly thinks that he he's a lot better than Prue and the way he talks to her almost like it it seems very almost misogynistic you know he's very like talks to her like like talks down to her for sure and I don't like that but Prue doesn't back down she's always got her level head independent woman <laughs> yeah I think we definitely see a lot of strength from her in this scene um one in the fact that she's just able to carry a conversation with this man who is so horrible right like I don't know that I could have such a like <laughs> level-headed conversation with someone like that um especially if they were my ex I think I I think I would have quit a long time ago if, if I were in her position like that's just I could not deal with something like that yeah which honestly might be another generational difference because like, you know how people in the olden days, like they would just, uh, the olden days, I say like this wasn't like 25 years ago, but like people would kind of put up with anything in the workplace. <laughs> They'd be like, well, I'm just going to stay at my job. Meanwhile, like, especially your generation, but like even my generation, um, it'll be like one thing goes wrong and it's like, nah, I'm done. I quit. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a big difference there. But also I feel like the idea of, kind of I don't even know how to how to say what I mean like standing standing up for yourself or anything like that it it was something that progressively happened and I know in the early 2000s I mean obviously I was just a little kid but um in that time knowing that all the shows all the shows that were going on there like were very about women's bodies and um people it, it kind of, there was that 
dynamic of like oh women need to look a certain way act a certain way and then men like have to be this powerful like it seemed like that idea of men and women having those roles was still very very clear so I feel like that that kind of shows in the fact in this 90s episode um it's a 90s show kind of beginning the idea of feminism definitely brought it out a lot um which I think is really nice and probably shows probably part of the reason why it gained so much popularity yeah and I think it's also important to note that like this episode is written by the creator of the show Constance M. Berg who like is a woman right um it was directed by a man but like she yeah. is the one who wrote it so a lot of these scenes are like coming from something she created and probably her experience of what it's like to be a woman in the workplace um especially I know now it's right. really starting to get better but especially in like film and television in the 90s and even in the early 2000s it was a very very male-dominated field even more so than it is now yeah, I just saw some video the other day um, about this show that was aired that was literally called The Man Show. And it was just, I guess it was supposed to be a joke. And the idea, like, uh, they were trying to play into that role of a guy being, like, having to be strong and talking about, talking horrible about women. And the show was, like, supposed to be a joke or something to kind of show what the world comes across as but it ended up just being really offensive but I heard about that and I'm just like okay so still even this came out in like early 2000s or something so clearly this misogyny this women being you know independent things like that was still very new because people were still making things like this you know yeah definitely um so let's kind of jump back in so then we go to um a scene with Piper doing her audition at the restaurant where we're going to meet yet another horrible man. Um, but Piper is kind of finishing up her audition recipe. A man walks in. Um, I think it's a French accent. His name is Chef Moore. He kind of insults her about what it is she's cooking. He says it seems like it's something that would come out from like a woman's magazine, which ew. And he's just all around just like not acting great. Um, as he's approaching to try the dish, Piper gets very nervous, um, and this is when we see her use her power. He freezes. She adds that little bit of sauce to what she didn't get to in the food. He tries it. He likes it. Clearly, the interview has gone well, and she's also discovered what her power is in this scene, whereas in the last scene, Prue's power was revealed, but like the audience knew that Prue did not. In this scene, Piper's power is revealed not just to us but also to her yeah and I think the I mean this scene I think its main importance is kind of showing Piper's career path as a chef that's obviously where she's at where she's headed um and showing her receiving her power and finding out what her power is going to be so now that we know Prue obviously has moving things with her mind and Piper has freezing time. The last one that was left from Melinda Warren was uh, seeing the future. So obviously we get the idea that Phoebe's going to have that power. Yeah. And I think a connection I didn't notice until like the conversation we just had between these two scenes is I think it's interesting that um, Prue and Piper both discover their powers in scenes where they are trying to be like these strong, confident women in male-dominated spaces. So it's like they are literally receiving their power, but they are also kind of metaphorically doing it by being able to kind of um, work and thrive in these places that have traditionally been held by men. Yeah, that's true. That's, they definitely did show that connection. And I think, that's, I think that's part of what makes the introduction to it so perfect. You know, I like the way that they showed that too. Yeah, definitely. So we go to the next scene and we are back at Prue's place of work. We're in Roger's office. He is on the phone with whom I'm assuming are the greater bosses of their job. Um, he steals Prue's exact phrases about how he wants to stay on the project because he started it and yada, yada, yada. Um, Prue overhears this and walks in. Um, she decides to quit. He keeps being fucking gross. That's literally my note. Then 
whatever, they kind of go back and forth a little bit. Prue says, um, I thought breaking up with you was the best thing I'd ever done, but this definitely tops that, um, which was really funny to me. As she's walking out the door, he makes another comment. She kind of throws her hands in frustration and he starts getting choked by his tie. Hilarious. Wish it would have just choked him all the way. We don't need him. <laughs> Goodbye, Roger. Seriously, it seems like Roger's part could have ended there with just his death. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I think we all would have been okay with that. <laughs> but of course he cuts he cuts the tie off before it can kill him completely. Yep. Um, and again there we we see even more so like okay so that is Prue's power to move things with her mind but she still isn't aware of it because she had left when um when that was happening and didn't realize that that was happening behind her um and I think we see even more of her personality kind of the strength of her I think she's kind of funny in this scene um she's witty she's very like confident and sure of herself which are things about her character that I'm already liking um, I mentioned in the intro yeah, how, too. like, this time around, I'm liking Prue a lot more than I have in previous watches, and I think kind of these aspects of her character are what's helping me relate to her so much. Yeah, I agree. I think it shows her her confidence, and um, it's it's not easy to feel powerful and very connected to yourself and, and you know, strong like she was in this scene when you're in such an industry and being treated this way and talked to the way that her boss was talking to her, like this is a person of higher power who's in charge of you and you're still the one taking charge in action. It just shows the kind of person that she is. And it, it's almost can be kind of a little bit inspiring, you know, like that idea of like, don't let somebody knock you down. Don't let somebody treat you the way you shouldn't be treated, you know, stand up for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, are we ready to move to the next scene? Yeah. All right. So the next scene, we have Piper in the phone book. She's kind of freaking out about what just happened to her in the kitchen with the freezing time thing. She's trying to call Phoebe. She's not getting an answer. Um, as she's stepping out of the phone booth, she runs into Jeremy, who is standing outside waiting for her. He congratulates her on the new job. I actually thought this scene was really cute. I'm like, wow, a man who doesn't suck in the show. Like, I'm... I like this little connection between them. Obviously, I knew where it was going later <laughs> in the episode, but for the moment, I was like, oh, I'm like, they're cute. I like this it. This is so cute. <laughs> like, it seems like he cares about her, but it turns out he's just a lying scumbag, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> is that how that, that was the end of that scene, right? Yes. Yeah, so he pretty much is like, you know, telling her congratulations on the job and saying um that and she was like but she hadn't told him yet that she even got the job but he just knew he was like I just know you you would get it and I was like that's so sweet but yeah and they're it, doing like, a little lost. like flirty like naming all the foods and then kissing thing like it was a cute little yeah thing. it definitely was yeah so that's pretty much it that's the first time we get introduced to Piper and Jeremy together and then, yeah, I don't think there's much else from that scene, except for Piper freaking out about her power. <laughs> yep. Um, then the next scene we go to, it's our final reveal of a power. So Phoebe is riding on her bike. Um, she gets this vision, I guess, because the creators really wanted to establish that this was a vision. We had to go into like a different, like, sepia, black and white type of tone. Um, we see these kids getting hit by a car in the vision and then Phoebe sees the same kid skating down she races to prevent it from happening she crashes her bike in front of it um we see the same cat that we saw in the apartment earlier in the episode looking at her as this happens and meowing um and that's kind of that scene so now we know officially so we could have determined it by seeing the other two with the other powers that Phoebe has the power to see the future which is, that's where it starts, the irony of Prue before saying that she has no vision and no sense of the future, now she has visions of the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So from there, after finding out her, her powers, um, 
The next scene is Prue going to the hospital, going to see Phoebe, because while she was preventing um, that guy getting hit, she kind of jumped in front of the car. So she's in the hospital. Prue goes to go see her, and this is where uh, Inspector Trudeau from before, he's also there, um, and they kind of run into each other. And Prue and Andy, we see that they have some sort of history because they know each other. And they start talking and kind of checking or catching up. And um, we find out that Andy and Prue both kind of checked in on each other. So obviously, you get the, we get the idea that they have some sort of history. And that history was probably a relationship. But that's like uh, the way they were talking to each other. Like there was still this care there. But, um, you know, but that they're not involved anymore. So I kind of got that idea that they had been in a relationship before. Yeah, I think one thing that really stands out to me in this scene is I feel like in a lot of like shows and movies that are coming out like presently, things aren't as focused on like creating that really strong chemistry between characters who are meant to be love interests. And I think this bleeds through the entire scene. Like I can just tell from the first moment they're interacting with each other, just the way that um, he looks at her, right? I'm like, these two, there's something there and it is so obvious to everyone in the room and it just yeah. it just reads so clearly um and they have such a natural chemistry with each other and it makes me excited to see um how we're going to see this relationship progress um I think it's cute when he's like oh like let me buy you a bad coffee um we find out some details about him um that he's a third generation inspector that he was living in Portland um like you said how they've kind of followed up on each other over the years um, and it just, it seems like a cute start to what could potentially be her love interest, um, I'm thinking right now. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That was the idea I got from that scene. And yeah, the fact that they kind of didn't, um, it was almost suspenseful in the fact that they didn't show their history and it wasn't like the start of something. It was something that had obviously already happened, but it was being reintroduced. And I'm, I was looking forward to um, kind of finding out more about their history and seeing where this relationship is going to go because he seems to be an important character the way that he's been in multiple of the scenes by now um, and the fact that he has had a relationship with one of the main characters. Yeah, definitely. And I think it all, they also do a good job of not being like overly expositional in this scene. Like everything we're getting about their history kind of comes from little bits of dialogue, but mostly from their chemistry with each other. Like they don't come out and say, oh, remember when we dated from like 1992 to 1993 and we were so in yeah. love? Like they don't do anything like that. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And we still like get the it's idea. It's kind of up for the audience history. for interpretation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then we kind of leave the hospital. We're in the next scene where we're at, I'm, I think it's a bar. Um, Phoebe and Prue are sitting together um, at the counter. Um, they're kind of squabbling a little bit. Um, they're talking about powers and Phoebe's kind of like, well, did anything strange happen to you? So Prue finds it ironic that Phoebe is able to see the future and Phoebe kind of points out why it's because you think I don't have one. They're going back and forth. Prue is like, there's nothing special about me, but then she's like really upset again. Um, we're seeing that anger come out. She asks where the cream is, and then it kind of slides over to her and then fills in her drink. And Phoebe's like, hmm, that looks pretty special to me. Um, and then Prue's kind of upset. She's like, you turned me into a witch. Like, this isn't something she wanted to happen. She's clearly just really upset about the entire situation. Um, then the scene continues. They walk out of the bar together. Um, Phoebe's kind of giving this history of witches versus warlocks and kind of how they're good witches. She talks about these um, different drawings she saw in the Book of Shadows, where as long as they were in the dark about their powers, they were safe. Um, but now that their powers are activated and they know about them, battles and evil are going to come for them. And then I cannot read what my last note says. Um, but I think that's the majority of that scene. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the notes that I got out of that too. Um, Phoebe explaining the the whole warlock situation, um, and 
through not wanting to receive her powers, but finally realizing that she has them. And again, in this scene, we see that Phoebe is very interested and kind of excited about this new path that they're going on. Then we leave that scene. Um, we go into a cab where Piper and Jeremy are riding together. Um, it's clear that they just got Chinese food. Um, they kind of read out their fortune cookie. They make this kind of like sexy joke. I just wrote hot in all caps with an exclamation point. Like I was really <laughs> feeling their relationship at this point. Um, still, mentions, yeah, still seemed really good. He mentions that he wants to bring her to this old Boeing building and that before they go back to his apartment, he wants to show her something there, this view of the city. Anything you want to kind of add about that scene? Not really. It's just another cute scene between them and, you know, him wanting to take her to that building for the view. It's just nice. Nothing yeah. Nothing suspicious there. Nothing suspicious there at all. <laughs> I'm not worried. I think he's going to propose when they I'm get there. I'm not concerned. <laughs> um, so in the next scene, Phoebe and Prue are still together and they go into this pharmacy and Prue is kind of looking for aspirin because she has a headache from the stress of what's going on. Um, her and Phoebe again have this little banter, slight arguing back and forth, and um, Prue is finally, you know, obviously seems angry and is like, well, where's the aspirin? Um, and the aspirin flies into her hand, and that's when Phoebe realizes that um, kind of the trigger to Prue's power is anger so when she's angry that's when her power that's when she starts using it and then right there we also get a little bit of background on their history with their dad because Phoebe tries to mention their father to upset Prue and see if that'll cause her powers to um, you know act up again uh, so we find out that their dad left their mother when they were younger and that Phoebe had gone to New York to find him and that's why she was living in New York. And Phoebe kind of says, you're mad um, about what dad did. You're mad that I left to go find him. And then saying, dad, dad, dad. And then all of a sudden, all of these things come flying off the shelf because, you know, Bruce Powers went nuts there. Um, so that's pretty much that scene. And so we find out um, we see, we find out their history with their dad and that Prue is obviously very angry towards him. Yeah. And I think this kind of connects to what was said earlier about the fact that she kind of had to sacrifice her childhood to help raise them. It's clear that that's something she blames their dad for because he should have been the one like sacrificing to raise them as opposed to her. Um, I also think it's Another example of this show doing a really good job of kind of giving us those background details that we need to understand the story in a way that seems natural and conversational and not super forced. Right, exactly. So we, we get this information without it kind of being directly handed to us. Yeah. Um, so let's go to the next scene. I have a lot of thoughts about this scene. Um, so we're in that old bowling building. It is Piper and Jeremy. They're in an elevator. Um, he mentions that he knows that Phoebe is home because like, oh, like you'll have to tell Prue and Phoebe right away. And Piper's like, I never told you Phoebe was home. And it just moves so quick and just seems so out of pocket to me. Like all of a sudden he's like, oh, now I have my knife. I'm going to kill you. Like there wasn't even I know he was to, like, like cover like, up. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Hold out his knife. Like I was like, why did it move so much like this? Like, I feel like they could have drawn the scene out a little bit more, made it a little, I don't know, anything. It just felt a so A little more rushed. suspenseful. And, like, the pacing for most of the episode has felt so strong. So seeing this scene where it's just so off, just, I didn't like it. Yeah. But whatever, we find out that he was waiting this whole time, and that's why he was dating her for their powers to come back. Um He's been killing all the other witches so that he could steal their powers. Um, then he starts using this really gross, like, demon voice. He starts attacking her. She freezes him. She starts climbing out. Um, he unfreezes and grabs her leg. She hits him with a piece of wood. He's knocked out, and she's able to escape. Yeah, so 
that scene definitely felt a little bit rushed to me too. And clearly, obviously, we find out that Jeremy is the guy who's been killing these witches and not as cute as we thought he was. <laughs> no. I also don't get why they had to use that voice. Like, I feel like we got the impression that he was evil already. They didn't need to add that in. It just like every time I see that and um like when I rewatch the series because as I said in the intro, I have seen it a few times, so with you. Um, it's kind of funny to see that difference in the beginning because obviously as time goes on, it's going to change with the times. But um, this started in the 90s and you see kind of how they portrayed evil and, you know, these kind of characters with that demonic voice that they used for Jeremy and him. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so Yeah, like it's very than... campy. Like it, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. We got the point without it. It was so, it was very dramatic, and I think, but I still, like, there's something about that, that, like, uh, stereotypical scene type thing like that, where, um, the evil has that demonic voice, and it's like, we get it, he, he just admitted, and he pulled out a knife on his girlfriend, so we know, (laughs) but, um, I still love it, I think, I think it's funny, I love to see it, how, how it was then, you know? Yeah. Um, so then we end that scene. We go back to the manor. Um, Phoebe and Prue are there. There's a message from Roger on the machine, like basically begging Prue to come back. Prue brings so in the same cat that we had seen earlier in the episode, who I assume is going to become their cat now. Um, I love cats, so that makes me happy. Um, then Piper <laughs> enters <laughs> through the front door. Um, she's clearly very upset. Um, she's like, Phoebe, how do I get rid of? And Phoebe kind of finishes her sentence with a warlock. Um, and we kind of get that things are going to escalate from here. Um, we cut back to the building where Jeremy wakes up in the elevator and he runs through this alleyway. There's a lot of fog. Again, it's a little campy, a little bit too much in my opinion, but it works for the scene. Then we're back in the manor. The three of them are up in the or, I'm sorry, they're not in the attic yet. The three of them are in the manor. Um, Prue wants to call the police. Phoebe is like, no, we can find a spell. Um, they go up to the attic. They do the spell. They stab like this little voodoo doll type thing with a um, rose. And it gets all smoky. It explodes. We kind of assume that it's going to kill Jeremy. But then unfortunately, we cut back to Jeremy in the alley. He kind of like is having like this physical reaction to whatever's going on. A bunch of horns come out of his skin. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely oh and and um the the girls realized that it didn't that the spell didn't work to kill him because Phoebe has this premonition, this vision um of Jeremy still coming and being on his way. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I thought that was very dramatic, too, and I I always try to figure out what the point of that was, like, the thorns and everything, and if there's a spell specifically for him, how it didn't vanquish him, Um, but, you know, it was the intro, it's okay, (laughs) still figuring things out. Yeah, because I think it's, I think one of the things that's, like, good about the setup of the show is, like, we're learning about this world that they live in, but so are they. So it's kind of like everything we're learning, they're learning along with us. So like, we don't really understand how spells work. They don't really understand how spells work. And, you know, we'll see as we move on that they do start to understand. So then going back right, into it. Right, it definitely shows that. Sorry, I was just going to say, I like that they didn't, um, they didn't make it so that they just like, automatically like get the hang of it like oh we're just a natural at it like it shows that it takes some time to kind of like it's going to take them some time to kind of understand their powers and their future um but that they can still come together and you know try to figure things out right now yeah and I think it's one of those things I think there are some examples of really good pacing this show and then examples of really bad pacing and that's one of the places where they do it well is kind of in the development of their powers and their understanding of them. Um, yes. But back into the scenes so they're going to leave the manor right because they know Jeremy's coming Prue opens the door who's there Jeremy of course 
Prue moves him with his mind. He's kind of like antagonizing her. He's like, oh, like cool parlor trick, like all this stuff. She tells her sisters to run up to the attic. We see again that protective nature from her. Um, they all get up to the attic. They start piling things in front of the door. Um, Jeremy, in typical demon fashion, has to announce what he's moving as he's moving it in that gross demony voice. Um, <laughs> then the door explodes and he enters. Um, they're reminded of the spirit board and Prue starts chanting the power of three will set us free and then they join in with her. A fire forms around them, then it becomes wind. Jeremy starts going off on this unnecessary like rant about how evil is going to keep coming from him for them, blah, blah, blah. It was way too much exposition. The audience could have understand that he wasn't the only evil that was ever going to come. Um, I found it so unnecessary. Then he explodes. The three of them are left together holding hands. I won't even mention how bad the special effects were because I know it's a product of its time and it's not its fault that they look so bad. But... <laughs> uh, that was another thing I noticed too, like the beginning versus like, I mean, the future, obviously the effects got better, but back in that time when it first started, like the fire that formed around them and the wind and the way Jeremy um, kind of got vanquished, it was very horrible special effects um and I that was another thing too I, I thought that was a little too much exposition and definitely wasn't necessary the way Jeremy kind of went on this rant and was like I'm not the only demon you will never be safe you will never be free there's millions of demons that are going to come after you and it's like okay like we get it <laughs> we could have <laughs> figured that out yeah it's like just die buddy we don't need to know all this <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it um, brought back that incantation from the spirit board where it said um, the power of three will set us free and how they chanted that. And that's what kind of saved them in this scene. And it shows that they ended up finding out that their mother was a witch and their grams was a witch. But um, so so they obviously knew too because her their their mother left them that message on the spirit board so um I don't know kind of made me curious as to how her family knew or I mean their parents knew but they didn't know and why they hid it from them if that was the case yeah I'm really interested to find out more about the origin of their powers um where this all comes from and again why they didn't always know about it why their grandmother and mother never told them about it things like that yeah exactly um so then our final scene of the episode we go out to the front porch the next day Prue opens the door to go get the paper um as she's doing that Andy approaches um they have a little bit of cute small talk he asks her out to dinner they talk a little bit about rekindling their old flame she starts to say yes and then changes her mind Phoebe and Piper come out of the house with the cat. Um, Andy notices the cat because he recognizes the cat from the crime scene. Um, Prue kind of brings up this um, do witches date, blah, blah, blah. And then it's interesting to me that Piper says, not only do they date, they get the best guys. How would you know that, Piper? Like, we see that your mom had a bad relationship. We yeah. haven't heard anything Not about mention, a grandfather. How could you even possibly you say that? You just had that with Jeremy, so <laughs> a little confused about where you're getting this information. But yeah, we'll your see. boyfriend was a demon. <laughs> pretty, pretty confident answer for someone that has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> so yeah, that's what happens there. Oh God, my computer's about to die too. Um, so let me grab my charger and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> but yeah, so to kind of wrap up the episode, so the three of them walk back into the house together. They're kind of talking about how they're going to have to stick together through all of this. Uh, Prue closes the door with her mind. That's our final image, and the episode ends. Yeah, at the end of the episode, they kind of are talking um, about how this is just the beginning. They're obviously aware of that, and they seem, Prue and Phoebe seem a little, uh, not Phoebe, Prue and Piper seem a little more open to the idea. Um, they all kind of walk in looking, walk it back into the house looking pretty happy. 
um, and Prue says we're going to be careful and wise and stick together, um, which shows that there's going to be that bond from them in the future, and you can already see that Phoebe and Prue are starting to get a little closer and reconnect as siblings. Um, and then that final image of Prue closing the door using her power. Uh, I think I think I think they did that episode pretty well for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I think overall it's a pretty strong pilot. There are those scenes we pointed out where things felt a little rushed and some where things were a little bit too, you know, dramatic and campy for me. But overall, I think it is a good introduction to the series. I think we have an idea of where we're going, but don't have everything, which is kind of a good way to leave the pilot feeling. Right, absolutely. I'm excited to find out what happens next. I do. I am curious about their history and what happens with Andy, um, and kind of the next things that they're gonna, next thing that they're gonna face. The way that it kind of um, is, you know, the demon gets introduced, or the problem in the beginning gets introduced, and then it kind of shows their own little issues throughout the day. It shows their life throughout the day, and then you know, by the end, they come together, figure it out, and end it on a good note. Um, I feel like that's, that's kind of the same theme that a lot of, like, um, like, crime shows follow, too. So, I wonder if that's a theme that they're going to keep up, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that's our first episode. Um, we'll be back next week for episode two. Um, I can't wait to talk about it with you and um, for all our listeners to listen in. And um, you guys can follow us. Um, we have an Instagram. It's rewitched underscore pod. Um, we have the same username on TikTok. And we also have a Gmail account. Um, that is rewitched.pod at gmail.com. Um, you guys can reach out to us with comments, questions, um, anything like that. We are going to be about three weeks ahead each time. So if you want to write in early about an episode, um, feel free to do that. Or if you want to just write in as you're listening, we'll bring up some questions in later episodes. Um, yeah. Anything you want to add, Mia? No, I think that's pretty much it. I'm looking forward to watching the future episodes with you and sharing with the listeners. All right. Um, everybody have a good week and we'll talk to you next time.